Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3, it was a great day yesterday, had an awesome, awesome uh, work day and uh, enjoyed ourselves yesterday. And one of the coolest things was it was not necessarily all the people that come out and was serving and, 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 and working hard and, and the things that was getting done, the cleanup and all that type of thing, but one of the coolest things was driving through Fairview and seeing all the people. Uh, we went through, uh, I guess it's Hopper's, one of the grocery stores there, and they had a big sale going on, and it must have been a good one because it was packed. I'm talking about there was people everywhere. And you know, that's what God, it's like the Holy Spirit just said, this is why you're coming. This is why we're doing what we're doing. Look at the people. Look how many people. And by the way, those statistics, that's what they say, but I think it's more than that. I think it's more, and I think it's a whole lot more people than that's not going to church. Uh, when you do the survey in, in Coleman County, and, and, and the, the churches are using up less than 25% of their seating capacity, and that's adding in the big ones too. Uh, less than 25% of seating capacity, this county needs Jesus. We, we talk about, we talk about uh, the other countries and, and, and Germany and Mexico and all, and that's true, man. We, we've got to work hard to get that out too, but we've got to work hard right here, right here, and I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm glad for what God's doing, and I want you to continue to pray uh, to see what God would have you do if God would have you to go out and help us out there in that endeavor. Uh, we're gonna, it, it's, it's just going to be a big, big deal. I'm as excited as can be, and all God's people say it. Amen. Now let's look in 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 8. Verse number 8. Uh, where we're at, if you, if you haven't been here in a while, we were in and going through the book of 1 Peter, just verse by verse as God would lead us. And uh, we stopped and took a break during missions month. And, and now we're going to kick back in where we stopped last time. Now, what Peter is writing here is a letter to the persecuted church. Uh, he is writing a letter to people who are fixing to go through great tribulation. He calls it fiery trials. And I'm talking about times that are bad. Now, we, we think we're having it rough, and we think we're having it bad if, if you know, the people we don't like uh, are, are elected or the people uh, that we do like are not elected or however that goes. But I'm telling you, these people were being persecuted. These people were being executed, being crucified, uh, being tortured simply because of their faith. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And Peter's trying to encourage them because he knows it's fixing to get worse. It's fixing to get a whole lot more difficult to be a Christian and to name the name of Christ. So he's sending this to encourage them. Now, in this letter we studied in chapters 2, in the beginning of chapter 3, he was telling us how we are to operate, how we are to behave when it comes to our Christian life in this world. If that makes sense, amen. And the first part of it, he told how a citizen should behave in his country. I need to do that one again. Let me say it again. I need to preach that one again. How a Christian citizen... You see, if you're... Is this going in and out or is this just... It's, it's mine. Uh, that was the last strike, boys, right there. Amen. All right. All right. Let's try this again. Can you hear me now? All right. Let's try this again. Uh, he, he explained, he explained how a Christian citizen is to behave because you are not just saved. You're not just, uh, uh, excuse me. You're not just a, an American citizen. You are a saved American citizen and a saved American citizen doesn't act like a normal one. We're different. We stand out. We're to be different. Are y'all with me? Then he began to teach about an employee and employer. 
Do you realize as a saved person, you don't act like everybody else when it comes to that? You, you behave differently. If you are an employer, you treat your people differently. If you're an employee, you treat your boss differently. Now, not only that, he dealt with the home. He dealt with husbands and wives. A Christian husband, a Christian husband should not act like a lost husband. Are you all with me? There's just a difference there. Now, with all that being said, with all those different arenas in life and and how he addressed, look at the first word. Look at the first word in 1 Peter chapter 3 in verse number 8. Look at the first word. Say it with me. Say it again. What that means is, let me, let, me just, let me just sum all this up. In other words, in conclusion, in everything we talked about and everything I've taught, let's sum it all up right here. He says, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. In other words, in other words, it doesn't matter whether you're a citizen, an employee or employer, or a husband or a wife. Man, you should love one another. Y'all, y'all got quiet right there. What was, amen? Look what he says. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life, say that with me. For he that will love life and see good days. If you want that, if you want to be able to love your life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings today. Thank you for the privilege it is to serve you and to be able to share the truth of your word. Please help me. God, just touch me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll guide every word that I say, everything that I do, that you will be, Lord, you will be honored and you will be exalted in this place. Please help me edify the brethren. Please help me encourage the broken. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. Challenge those who need convicting. Lord, I pray that you'll bring them back to you. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, the one verse I want to kind of hone in on here in these, these particular verses is, is in verse number 10. In verse number 10 it says, For he that will love life. He that will love life. I, I, you hear that phrase, you say, how are you doing? Man, I'm loving life. I'm loving life. Living the dream. Whatever, you know, whatever that is. You hear some people say that. But do you realize there's a whole lot more other people that are saying this? I hate my life. I hate my life. All you got to do is tune into Facebook or any, any social media, and people have an outlet. People have a voice now that you would never hear about or you would never hear from, and you are hearing people that are miserable. You are hearing people saying, I hate my life. I hate what's going on. Uh, you, you are hearing me, boy, if I, could just, if I could just have this different in my life or if I could just have that, if I could just purchase this or if I could just experience that. Man, I would be happy then. I would love my life then. Well, you know what? That's not necessarily so. There was a man that walked this earth. There was a man that walked this earth that God allowed to walk this earth, and he decided he was going to try all this stuff. 
He was going to try everything that you're looking for now. Everything that we look to to try to be contented, to try to be fulfilled, to try to be happy, to experience joy, and really to love your life. He said, he said I'm going to buy everything there is to buy. I'm going to get possessions. Because we have this idea, man, true happiness is found in that new vehicle or that new house or that new toy, uh, that new uh, ATV side-by-side Polaris say man right there. Yeah, I'm getting down y'all's road. I'll be there in a minute. <clears throat> Ladies, that new dress or that new whatever, that, uh-huh. Don't going to give me some shoes. That's right, mama, shoes. Amen. Y'all, y'all with me? But if I could just buy that, if I just had the ability to, well, guess what? He did. He bought it all. He did it all. He, he said, whatever my eye was there, I took it. Nothing was withholding from me. So, oh, but preacher, I don't, if I could just have some more friends. I look out and I see people and they seem to be having so many friends and they seem to have so much fun and, and, and they're very popular. Boy, if I could just be a little more popular, you know, that's not so either. Elvis Presley was probably the most popular human being on the planet. And he had to rent out a whole movie theater because he could not get any peace. It's not in popularity. It's not in how many people like you. It's not in how many people want to be around you. It's not how many, listen, it's not that, oh, if I could just experience a little more pleasure. We have people walking out on marriages that they've been in for years and years and years thinking if I could just experience a little more pleasure, a little more sensuality, then I, oh, yeah, that, I, would, I would love life then because it'd be, it'd be stimulating. It'd be exciting. It, you know what? Uh, Solomon had a 1,000 women. And he still wasn't happy. Now listen, what's the point? God allowed this man to walk on the planet and, and do everything there was that this world is saying that you have to have to be happy. Everything that you think you need to enjoy your life or have a happy life or to be able to love your life, God let him experience it all. And guess what he found out? The book, the book of Ecclesiastes is the story of this journey. You go read it. Go read it. It is Solomon going to find happiness without God. It's, he uses a phrase, under the sun. And so many things he said, if there was to do it, I did it. If there was to buy, I bought it. If there was to experience, I'd experience it. And you know what he said? He said, it all left me feeling empty. He said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And the word vanity means empty. In other words, I still hate my life. I have anything I want to buy. I have women lined up. Listen, I've experienced pleasure. If there was any kind of pleasure there was to have, I experienced it. You know what he basically said? I still hate my life. Because he found out something. In, those same, in that same book, in Ecclesiastes, and I'm going somewhere, by the way, I'm telling you, we're going back to First Peter. I just want to set it up, okay? For in Ecclesiastes chapter number 2, in verse number 24, this was his conclusion. He said, there is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. In other words, he's saying, man, ain't nothing better than to be able to work hard for something and sit back and enjoy it. Would y'all agree with that? 
I'm telling you, when you've worked hard for something, when you've put it all out there and you've labored and you've done everything you could for something and to be able to sit back and enjoy it, there is nothing more fulfilling than that. There's, I'm telling you, there's just hardly nothing that beats that because when you work hard for something and you get it, it's different than when somebody just gives it to you. And he said there's nothing greater than to be able to enjoy that. But watch what he says. This is great. He said, this also I saw that it was from the hand of what was from the hand of God? The ability to enjoy it. Think about that. The ability to enjoy it. What come from God? The ability to enjoy the thing you work hard for. Well, I don't need God for that. Is that right? You can have the most, you could have the most expensive mattress that's ever been created. You can have a gold-plated king-sized bed, and you can jump up in that thing and lay us. Listen, lay up all night long and not be able to sleep. You can have the greatest meal laid out in front of you. You could go to Caravas and order uh, sirloin marsala, or, or actually, let's just let's just go. If we're gonna do it, let's just do it. Uh, let's go fillet marsala. Say amen. You can have pasta with the white sauce on it, extra mushrooms and gravy. Somebody shout a glory right there. And you can sit there and look at it and not be able to eat it. You can have the best food that money can buy sitting in front of you and not have an appetite. You could have, you could have, listen, I can, this is a God's truth. You can have people hanging all over you and people all around you wanting to be your friend, wanting to hang out with you and be lonely as can be. I walked out of buildings of thousands of people and all of them saying, and I, and I don't say this arrogantly, all of them saying how much I meant to them and how much this and how much that and walk out the loneliest person in the world. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. The ability to enjoy what you think you want doesn't come by the stuff. It comes by the hand of God. Now watch. Let me, let me get to the next verse. Watch this. Verse 26. <clears throat> verse, verse 26. For God giveth, say that with me, for, say it again, for, to a man that is good in his sight, say it with me, wisdom Knowledge and wisdom, knowledge and all right. So where does the joy come from? The stuff? No, it comes from God. Now that you got to get this in order to get the other four things I'm going to share with you. And I'm going to say them fast. This is just a long intro. That's all. But you got to understand something. What you're looking for is not from the stuff. And it's not by way people treat you. Well, I tell you what, people around me, if they just be different, they wouldn't act like that. If they just treated me a little better and I could enjoy my... No. That's not it. That's not it. There were people that hated Paul. There were people that stoned him and left him for dead. Yet Paul enjoyed his life. It's not what other people do to you. It's not what other people are around you. Quit making excuses because that is not where real joy comes from. Some people have wrong theology. I, you know, I, people have, here, here's, what, here's what happens. People have an escape mentality. An escape mentality. If I could just run away, 
If I could just buy a, a, a Winnebago, or, or I guess that's what they still make them. Uh, uh, streamline, whatever, you know, let's like it. An RV, how about that? Y'all know what that is? An RV, if I could just get me in an RV, and if I could just drive, and then I would leave it all behind, then I would, no, you wouldn't. You'd be broke and out of gas before you got to Texas. <clears throat> you can't run from this stuff. You can't run from problems. You cannot run from issues, because no matter what, it's still there. Life is, life is not something to escape. Now, I get it. I get it. There are days that I just want to, Algon, take me away. Amen. I'm living in a small double wide with four women. <clears throat> <clears throat> Let us pray. I get that. Amen. <laughs> But you can't run from stuff. The, the idea that you could go somewhere and leave all the people that irritate you behind and all this kind of stuff, then you'd, be, then you'd love your life, it's not reality. You can't escape life. Here's another thing, too. God doesn't intend for you to endure life. Now, there's a lot of preachers out there preaching this. Bless God, it's the last days, and, and God just wants you to tough it out, just grit your teeth, just grin and bear it, and just suffer till Jesus gets here. Now, you know, hey, but that's, that's the, the only problem with that is that it contradicts what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, The thief cometh, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that you might have life. Say it with me, that you might have not just life, but have it more abundantly. Then he said in John 15, you know that, that the fruit-bearing chapter, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you shall bear much fruit. He said this in John 15. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full. Do y'all get that? So you know what Jesus is trying to say? Man, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to have a great life. I want you to love life. I want you to be fulfilled in life. I want you to be content in life. And that is not going to be because you have everything you want to have. Because there are Christians who have nothing, yet they have the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord gives them strength. Your joy in life is not going to be determined by your circumstances. Your joy in life is not going to be, listen, determined by your surroundings. Your joy in life is not going to be determined by your peers. Because all of your friends can walk out on you in an instant. When you go through hell itself, you'll find out who your friends are. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about people getting busy. I love that phrase that says, if you're real friends, it don't matter if you've not talked forever because everybody gets busy, but you're still friends when you do. You don't get your feelings on your shoulder and get your feelings hurt. Listen, if you're friends, you're friends. I'm talking about when you're in trouble, they walk out on you. That's what I'm talking about. Your joy is not going to be determined by that. It's going to come by the hand of God. So what do we do? This is the short part, so bear with me. What do we do to experience joy in life? In these verses, he says to, to love life. How many of y'all want to love life? I do too. 
I, I want to I, I have the type of life that when people run into me, when people run into me, they say, how you doing? I want to say it every time. Living the dream, baby. Living the dream. I love my life. Say, preacher, I don't have what you have. I promise you, you don't want what I have. And I mean that. But you got what you need. So what do we do? Let's just take it from the Bible, verse by verse. Verse 8. Verse 8, look what it says. It says this, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren. In other words, it's family. It's family. How does a brother love? You want to kick him in the teeth sometimes. But nobody else can. Right? You defend them to the death. And you know, we do that whether they're right or wrong. That's what it means. Love is brethren. And it says, be pitiful. Be courteous. All right, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we do. If, if, if joy... If joy is at the hand of God, and God is the one that gives joy and contentment, satisfaction, fulfillment, so we can be able to say, I love my life, then what do we do? First thing we do, we develop a humble, loving attitude. I'm going to go somewhere with this. They didn't take this real good in the first service, but y'all are more spiritual than they are in the first service. So y'all are going to receive this in Jesus' name. Amen? Develop a humble, loving attitude. Humble humility is the opposite of pride. And, and the reason there are people that are eat up with pride is because they have an entitled mentality. Pride says, I'm owed something. Pride says, I deserve something. You know why there are people rioting today? Because they didn't get their way. They feel like they are entitled to something. And they don't even realize that all the rest of America has an opinion too. But I'm entitled to. And you know what? When you have an entitled mentality, you're going to have a miserable life. Because there's going to be times in your life you're not going to get what you want. And people are not going to treat you like you think you deserve to be treated. But if you have a humble mentality, if you come into this life like Job did and say, naked come I into this world and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I didn't come here with nothing and whatever I got is just a blessing from God. And hey, here we go. But if you walk around thinking this world owes you a living, that people owes you anything, you're going to have a miserable life. You will never love your life. But if you come in humbly and you say, God, make my heart tender. Help me to love one another. Help me not to be eat up with pride. Help me to look at myself like I ought to look and not think more highly of myself than I ought to think. Help me to be humble. I'm telling you, it will change your life. Because it won't be life that's changing. It will be your perspective and how you see life. Are y'all with me? A loving attitude. Preacher, ain't just some people that's unlovable. Yep. 
Do I have an amen right there? Keep your eyes straight on, people. Keep your eyes straight on. I, I, I want to say this. The reason some of you hate your life, it's not necessarily you hate your life. You just hate the people that's in it. And you're miserable because of the people around you. People around you irritate you. People around you bother you. People around you, easy now with the amens, easy. <clears throat> Listen. And it's not that you hate life. You hate the people that's in it. Guess what, guys? There's no way to do life without being around people. I, some some days I would. Some days I'm not going to lie. I would like to get on a helicopter and go to the middle of the forest and say, drop me off and don't tell nobody where you did it. Do I have a witness? But guess what? Reality is this. Is we got to live with people. We got to work with people. We got to go to school with people. We have to shop with people. We have to, we have to, I, I love, I love that. I, I read a statement that said, listen, parents, from 1 to 18, do a great job. Because then after that, we have to live with them. And all God's people say it. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Some of you got grudges that you've held for a long time. Some of you have been hurt by people. And because of that one person that hurt you, you're taking out on everybody else around you. And you hate your life because you hate people. And you hate people because of what somebody did to you one day in your life. Hate. See, I got a verse for you. Look what it says in, in, in 1 John. <clears throat> 1 John says this. Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. He is the essence of love. If we're going to love people, it's got to come from God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Watch this right here. He that loveth not, say it with me, he that loveth knoweth not God. For God is love. Listen, if you cannot love your neighbor, I don't care what color their skin is. I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. I, I don't care if they're a northerner or a southerner. If you can't love them, you need to check your salvation. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Now, don't take my opinion. I just read the book. Right? It says some more. Watch this. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man, here's, a, here's, this is great. Man, when you understand this verse. No man has seen God at any time. Would y'all agree? No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us or manifested through us. Do you know what he's trying to say? John is trying to teach us that nobody can see God, but they can see God through you. And they're not going to see God through you because you showed up to church today. They're not going to see God through you because you carry around a big old Bible. They're not going to see God because you have a fish sticker on your bumper. They're going to see God through you and know that there is a God and believe and feel the presence of God by your love one for another. 
When they see somebody love somebody unlovable, when they see somebody loving somebody that's hateful, when they see somebody loving somebody that's different than them, that has tried to hurt them, when they see a Christian loving their enemy, they will see God. That's what it says. Listen, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. Let me read it again. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a, he is a, for he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? This is the commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Preacher, how do I know if I'm being lovable? <clears throat> well, verse 8 gives us some, gives some evidence. He says, have compassion one of another. Be pitiful, be courteous. So we have compassion, sympathy, and kindness. Are you showing compassion to those that are broken? Are you being, listen, are you being sympathetic? That's what it means to be pitiful. It means to show pity. It means to have a tender heart. I'll be honest with you. When I see stuff on TV, like some of the stuff we've been seeing this week, my flesh wants to react. I want to get angry and I want to say stuff. I want to say, bless God, bunch of babies whining, blah, 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 blah. I just, my flesh rises up in me and I just want to say stuff. But Jesus said to be pitiful. Have pity. You see, when I see that, I see a bunch of entitled, spoiled brats that didn't get their way. But when the Holy Spirit sees it, this is what he sees. The God of this world has blinded their minds. And I wonder how many Christians are having pity. We show love through having a tender heart. Then it says, be courteous. My Lord, where'd that go? Be courteous. Just be nice. Be nice. Say it with me. Say it again. Look at your neighbor and say, won't you be nice? See, some of you can't even do that right. Preacher said, you don't even be nice to me from now. You know, come on. Where, where, have you noticed that in our country, just being kind is nowhere to be found anymore? And I'm not talking about the lost people. I'm talking about saved people. Let's just be nice. You want to change your life? You want to love your life again? Learn to be nice. Just be nice. Well, they're not nice to me. It don't matter. You be nice. Because God will change you. God doesn't have to change the circumstances around you to change you. Are you all with me? So the first step is have a humble, loving attitude. I'm, I'm hurrying. Number two. Number two, and I'm going to do this quick. Let's just do it quick. Let's just talk it. If we're going to start loving our life again, we have to have a loving, humble attitude. Secondly, we have to have a non-vindictive mentality. Say it with me. We have to have a non-vindictive mentality. Say it again. We must have a... He says in verse number 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. 
God says we're to love our enemies. Let me tell you why some of you can't enjoy your life and you can't love your life. is because you're still angry at somebody that messed you over. And you're wanting justice. You're wanting vengeance. I preach a message on forgiveness. I preach a message on forgiveness. And in that message, I tell two stories. I tell a story about a man named Simon Withensaw and a woman by the name of Corey Tinboom. Both of these were Jewish people who went through the, 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 the Holocaust and were in Nazi concentration camps. Simon Wiesenthal, <clears throat> he, was, he was asked one day, he was taken from the camp he was in and taken into a room with a wounded German soldier. This German soldier was wounded so bad he was going to die. He just had... Uh, just a certain amount of moments to live. But he wanted to clear his conscience. He wanted to get some stuff off his chest. So he asked for, for someone to bring a Jew into the room with him. And it, was, it just happened to be Simon. Simon comes in, and, and, and I believe the, the German soldier's name was Carl. <clears throat> and he began, to, he began to confess some things that he had done, some, some war crimes that he had committed. He had gone into a village and, and took all of the Jewish people in that village and, and piled them and packed them into a wooden building, chained the doors and set the building on fire. And he was just telling him all this stuff. He said, I never can repay what I've done, and I'm so sorry that I've done it. But if you could just forgive me, I'm asking for your forgiveness and it's symbolically of all the Jewish people he had hurt. He said, will you please forgive me, Simon? According to Simon's own testimony, he stood up in the room without saying a word, turned around, and walked out the door. You say, well, that guy deserved that. Simon shouldn't have forgave him. Well, there's only one problem with that. It haunted Simon. He never forgot that situation. He even talked to psychiatrists. He talked to clergy members. He talked to theologians. And several of them told him, yep, you did the right thing. But it kept bothering him and it kept haunting him. And you know what he did the rest of his life? He spent the rest of his life being a Nazi hunter. Someone who went all over this world trying to find Nazi war criminals to try to get them to pay. They've got to pay for what they did. Man, there's no doubt. There's no doubt whatsoever what they did was wicked. What they did was evil. What they did was horrific. But God has called us to forgive. And God has called us not to revile back. And he spent the rest of his life trying to make people pay for what happened to him. Now, I don't know about you, but I would kind of guess that he didn't really have a happy life. But see, Corey Tinboom went through the same thing. Corey Tinboom went through a concentration camp with her sister, lost all her family, and her sister died in front of her, starved to death. And went through a horrific situation. 
after the war was over, God was in her soul, God was in her life, and she went all over this world preaching grace and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling people that you need to forgive, you need to love. There's grace found in Jesus. After one of the meetings she had, someone come up to her, and when she looked up and saw him, she immediately recognized him. It was one of the soldiers from Ravensbrook, the concentration camp she was in. She said, in her own words, when I saw him, my blood just froze. She said, every memory that I had, everything come back to my mind, every pain, every heartache, my sister's blanched face. And he said, Fraulein, Fraulein, this grace that you speak of, isn't it wonderful that even God would forgive a wretched sinner like me? Fraulein, would you please forgive me? And she says, I couldn't reach out. She said, I didn't have it in me to do it. How could I forgive this man who had done so many horrific things? And she said, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reminded her that Jesus Christ had died on a cross and Jesus Christ had already forgiven him of his sins and who was she to hold something against him that Jesus wouldn't? And she asked the Lord to forgive her for being unforgiving and said, I forgive you and reached out. And she said, the moment I grabbed his hands, there was a current of love that run through me for him that I had never known in my life because God gave me the love and God gave me the forgiveness to offer to this man. It was supernatural coming from God. And I dare to say that Corey Tenboom enjoyed the rest of her life. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Some of you hate your life. And it's not necessarily because your life is that bad. It's because you're holding something. You have a grudge that's eating you alive from the inside out. Do you realize that bitterness is, is it's like drinking poison, hoping somebody else dies? See, Corey learned to let it go. Corey learned to give it to God. Corey learned to not to hold a grudge and not to be vindictive. And because of that, she was able to enjoy the life she had. We can't have a vindictive mentality. If we're ever going to enjoy life, we have to have a humble, loving attitude. We have to have a non-vindictive mentality. Number three, write this down quickly. We have to have speech seasoned with salt. It says this in verse 10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no guile. How many of y'all would agree with me that there's been times in life you got in trouble because your mouth... How many, how, many, how many of y'all would agree with me? And be honest now. Be honest. All the way to the back and all the way in the balcony. How many of y'all wish that there had been times you kept your mouth shut? Amen. I'm glad I'm in good company. Amen. Look what it says. It says, it says in Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. What does that mean? Your words seasoned with salt. You know what salt does? Salt has the ability to make something that tastes nasty taste good. Salt gives some things flavor so it can be palatable. In other words, you can eat it. Now, here's the point. Whatever we say, let it be flavorful. Right? Whatever you say. Hey, in the words of Thumper, If you can't say nothing nice, say nothing at all. 
Amen? Let's watch our mouth. You want to start loving life again? Watch your mouth. Start being constructive. Start being edifying. Start using words that benefit and bless people. Listen, last of all, look here. Two things. Verse 11a says this. Let him eschew evil and do good. If we're ever going to love life, we've got to learn to hate sin and do good. I don't have time to go into it, but that's the point. It's not just about avoiding sin. We've got to learn to hate it. When you learn to hate it, that's what eschew means. We have to learn to hate it because if we do, the only, way, the only reason a doctor loves health is because he hates disease. You can't have one and the other together, amen? All right, now look, here's the last one. Here's the last one, 11B. Let him eschew evil and do good. So first we have to have a loving, humble attitude, a non-vindictive mentality, speech that is seasoned with salt. We've got to learn to hate evil and attempt good. And here's the important one, last of all, five. We have to practice peace-seeking. We have to practice peace-seeking. The Bible says in Romans 12, 18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Ephesians 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word endeavoring means to work for it. In other words, sometimes you're going to have to work at being a peace speaker. It's going to take effort. It says in Romans 14, 19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things which wherewith one may edify another. <clears throat> Here, here's what I want to say, and we're going to pray. <clears throat> I've, I've, I've noticed people that talk about drama all the time. I don't like drama. I don't like drama. I'm just not into all this drama. I hate drama. And usually the people that's always saying that is always in it. Now, here's the thing. If you find yourself in drama with, with several different people, it might be those several different people. Man, it's quiet all of a sudden. Here's the deal. Let me, let me just explain it this way. Mr. Buzzard and, and Mr. Hummingbird wake up in the morning, and they drink their morning coffee, and they head off to work. Mr. Buzzard finds some nasty, rotten, putrid carcasses. Isn't that amazing? This old nasty, rotten stuff. But Mr. Hummingbird, when he left for work, he went out and he found the sweetest nectar you've ever seen in your life. It's unbelievable. Now, why in the world, why in the world did Mr. Buzzard find the nasty, rotten, putrid, rotten stuff? And why, and why did Mr. Mr. Hummingbird, why did he find that sweet nectar? Somebody tell me. Say it again. Say it again. That's what they're looking for. I'm just tired of this drama. Well, quit looking for it. Here's the thing I want to leave with you. Don't be an old buzzard. 
Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't be an old buzzard. <laughs> Some of you is going to require effort. Say amen right there. You're going to find what you're looking for. If you're looking for trouble, there's plenty of it out there. If you're looking for drama, there'll be people that will oblige you. Just don't go. <laughs> Seek peace. Be a peace speaker. Be a calmness in a storm. Paul was so good at this. Everybody's wigging out on the ship. He says, hey, boys, it's going to be all right. Now, let me tell you something. You can't do that unless you have peace. Amen? You can't offer something you don't have. So the best thing to do is get with God because you're going to have to get with God anyway because you're going to need his love in you so you can love them people you're hating right now. And you're going to need his strength to be a peace speaker. Amen? Now listen, if we'll change our mentality about all this stuff, your life, you're not going to get a raise tomorrow because you do this stuff. You're not going to have 150 people call your number and say, hey, can we hang out? Thank God. Say amen. You're not going to get all these things you've been wishing for because you do this stuff. But I tell you this, if you do this stuff, it'll change the way you see that stuff. And you can be full. You can be content. You can be satisfied. And you can have joy right where you're at. Right now with what you have, with where you are, if we'll just practice those things. Because when we do this, it's commanded by God and we're obedient to him. Guess what is at the hand of the Lord? Joy, knowledge. Y'all with me? It's here. Contentment and satisfaction. And all God's people said. Lord, thank you for your blessing.